You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome, welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Monique Allen. She's a founder and creative director of The Garden Continuum. She's a master creator, interactive lawyer, published author, and fierce industry advocate. And today we're going to speak about her interesting lifescape method, about the circular economy model, and many other interesting topics. Hi, Monique. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Hello, Alana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. So, uh, Monique, can you tell us how did you start um, with uh, with what you're doing? How did you get to where you are right now? What is your story? Yeah, it's a um, it's a long story. So I'm going to condense it into into decades. Um, I've been in the landscape industry for this is my 37th year, and um, I there would be no way to have known um, or predicted. That, that this is uh, how long I would have been in an industry. Um, but I did start as a teenager. And uh, in my 18th year, you know, I, I, I needed a job. And I was out of school, finished high school and very lost. Um, and somebody just asked me if I wanted to come and garden with them to actually, the, the actual question was, did I want to come and mulch with them? I didn't even know what they were saying to me. Um, but it was outside. It was physical work. I was a dancer growing up and I loved being outside and not the sit still kind of person. So I thought, yeah, why not? You know, and it, it just started something and I just allowed it to unfold. And I would say that I spent um, the first, you know, five to 10 years evolving as a gardener, learning how to be a gardener. Um, getting myself into college and through college and all of the upheavals of that time of your life, you know, from 18 to mid twenties, it's, you know, you're just messy, you know, we're messy. We don't know what we're doing at that time. Um, but I also had some trauma in my backstory. So um, being in the land and with nature was very soothing for me. It was a very, a very good place. I was working hard and I, I feel like I was, I was healing as I was working in the earth and then um, when I moved to the next decade, it really became, oh, wow, I could grow a business out of this. Uh, so, you know, I worked for people for only about three years before I began to collaborate and do my own jobs and uh, really work in the freelance realm of entrepreneurship. And when I started to see that I actually had a packageable, brandable service, that's when I opened a real sole proprietorship. I gave it a name. I started to have services that I sold. I started to hire employees. And, you know, I did that for, for a whole decade. And then, um, and then I embarked on having a family and, you know, getting married and buying a house and, you know, thinking, well, gee, you know, maybe, maybe I need to look at corporate structure. And so for the past two decades, I've been working in corporate structure and developing within corporate structure. And so, the evolution really is through the entrepreneurial ladder from that, what I would call emerging 
entrepreneur to the expanding entrepreneur to the evolving entrepreneur. And I even got into the trap of entrenchment. So we also get that trap happens in each one of the steps. And so I had to learn how to get past each one of those entrenchment pieces in order to, to show up here. Um, a very well-seasoned gardener and educator, um, but also much more a gardener of people now than a gardener of plants. Because when you're in the corporate model, now you're thinking about how to do this in teams. Wow. Yeah. So it is so interesting that uh, it evolved uh, from, from uh, so you combined uh, landscaping and you combined it with the building a business and you have your own lifescape method. And uh, can you tell our listeners what what your method is is all about and yeah. how to how to apply it? Yes. Um, so, in retrospect, I had to, and I think your listeners will really get this. You know, when you start to get successful, that's actually more of a problem than when you're struggling to succeed. Like struggling to succeed certainly is a problem. We're worried about where our money is going to come from and. Um, really trying to get our foothold. Um, but once you get your foothold and once you really start to succeed and people start to see who you are and what you can do for them, the the next big danger, the, the bridge that you have to cross is that you get so busy that you start dropping things. You start making a mess of things because you can't do it all. And so I realized that I needed help. And as I needed help, I needed to be able to move to a system rather than just the ideas in my head. So I heard somebody say once, which I thought was brilliant, was that while goals are an important thing, goals themselves will not get you to where you want to go. In fact, we don't rise to the challenges of our goals. We don't rise to our goals. We actually fall to the level of our systems, the level of our capacity, the level of our own personal self-awareness. And so I kept falling. <laughs> You know, I have this big goal and then I would try to go after it and then I would fall and I realized that I didn't have systems. So I started building systems so that I could have teams that could follow the systems instead of asking me the questions. And one of the systems that became really necessary for me to build was what is what is my why, my purpose, my reason, my mission for even being in the landscape industry? And what I realized was that the landscape industry, as it was becoming really popular and commoditized, I mean, we've got Martha Stewart, who blew landscaping out of the water and just made everybody know that it was a thing, to box stores and HDTV, so now everybody can have access to it, is that um, we started to see two things. One was what I call feature scaping, which is we just keep buying stuff and stuffing it on the land. And the other was, I call it deadscaping. We were actually creating a lot of damage in the process. And so the plants and the earth couldn't rebound. So I wanted to figure out a way to simplify the whole process so that somebody could follow it. And so I came up with lifescaping, which is, you know, just a made up term. I've heard it around. It's certainly not my, you know, construct, but it fit because I wanted to build life. And I gave it three main tenants. There needs to be a system of organization, there needs to be a system of health, and there has to be a system of wow. So that wow factor, that thing, that bling, because as human beings, we're drawn to beauty, we're drawn to things that just feel yummy and exciting to look at. So I was trying to shift the landscape model from something you look at, something that you consume and commoditize, 
to something that you live in, something that actually you give to and it gives back to you. It has vibrational health. It has vibrational resonance. It has the ability to not only transform a section of the earth, but it also has the ability to transform you when you're in that space. And that is so important for our homes and our business spaces, as well as our communities. Because if you're stressed out, one of the best possible things for you is to go sit in nature, to go listen to the birds, to look at pretty flowers, smell beautiful smells. And so the LifeScape method is how to look at the processes and the systems behind the projects that will create organized, healthy, and wow factor spaces that we can live in. Great. So uh, what are those uh, three three things that you mentioned? Let's repeat them once again and uh, so that our listeners can understand. Yes. Uh, the first one is organization. Yeah. And that's because the human brain is is it actually developed, you know, the, the, the limbic brain, like it, it developed to keep us safe. So if there's chaos, we feel unsafe. So organization, and I don't mean it has to be formal, it can still be wild and lovely. Um, but from the whole spectrum of formal to wild, there is an organization, there's something that the brain can intuit without having to think too hard. And this is how we make places safe so that we don't trip and fall you know, so that we don't stumble, so that we don't get prickers all over us. It's so we want organization. And I'm going to take this to business in one second, because I realize this fits the business model as well. So we have organization. The second is health. We need health and health is, we know from our own human bodies, health has to go very deep. It's not enough to just brush your hair and wash your face and go out there. If you're, if you're not well, it shows on the outside. So we need health and vibrancy to be in the soil level all the way up to the leaf and floral level. And so health is really important. And then wow factor. So that is the aesthetic energy that we bring to any space so that it, it, it can excite us enough to actually draw us in there. Yeah, yeah. So organization, health, and uh, wow factor. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So how can how can we apply this this method for for our business yeah so what i love about this and that this is not what i set out to do so it when i was trying to figure this all out i realized i had to go through a whole codification process you know i had to i had to go back into the history of who i was and how i had built my business in order to drill it down to just these three things and so i wrote a book called stop lifescape stop landscaping start lifescaping, which was a little tongue in cheek because clearly I landscape every day. But the idea was stop thinking of it as a thing, something to be conquered and mastered and start thinking of it as a long game, a long process that you commit to and you are in on a daily basis for better or for worse. And as I started to use this method, I realized, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I'm doing in my business. When I, ha- when I am building systems within my business, I'm building organization so that my people don't have to recreate the wheel every day. We have an early system within the company where mobilization and setup for production is something we don't have to think about. And when we don't have to think about it, we just do it. It becomes habit and it becomes process. What happens is our mornings are, you know, we're like this well-oiled machine in the morning and we're in and out of here very early. We make money when we're on the job. So if we're, if we're stuck in the beginning, we're not making money there. 
So systemization within systemization, systematization, there's probably more letters in that word, but building systems within your company is how you evolve your company. So now as your systems become stronger and more predictable, you can actually rise to those goals. So that's the organization piece. The other piece is the health piece. What I'm realizing more and more in the pandemic, I swear, so put a spin on this that made it real for everyone. People need to feel safe. They need to feel valued, seen, and heard. That is how we create healthy organizations. And your culture and my culture and our businesses may be different. That's okay. You just have to have clarity about the culture in the company that you're running as the owner. So I've begun to realize that health in an organization is tapped into how clear the owner is, the person who's setting the culture, and then all of those ambassadors of culture, because you can't do it alone. And that's how we build health within our organization. And then the wow factor is a couple of things. It's the fun element of what you do. It's the inspired element of what you do. And it's the impact element of what you do. So that fun, that inspiration, and that impact, that's what gets people so excited so that they want to come to work. They actually want to come to work even when it's hard. I mean, this business is hard. It's, you know, it goes from 50 degrees to 90 degrees. It goes from super dry to wet. So we've, we have to have resilience and it's not enough to just say work hard. There has to be something more. And that wow factor is how it's giving back to the heart and soul of every single person that works for your company and that hires your company. And that's how organization health and wow fit in the business structure. Oh, it, it sounds like a perfect organization, like a perfect company. If all those elements work together. Right. Uh, I think that... Um, it can, it might be challenging when it comes to actually doing those things. So, for example, I'm thinking about the the company culture. How would you suggest to actually come up with your company culture and also how to implement it, how to make people feel this this culture? Yeah, that is, you know, I tell you, that is like, that's the million dollar question. Um, I want everyone listening to this to understand that I worked really hard to drill it down to these three things so that intuitively it would feel simple and, and, and linear. Like, you know, you could just see how it fits, but the honest to goodness truth is it's an ongoing process. It's like fitness and health. We don't eat one healthy meal and now we're healthy. You know, we have to have a, a, a habit and a culture of healthy eating to be healthy. Um, and so that is true for culture. So the first thing is that we actually can't make anyone do anything or feel anything. We can't. So the key for owners, the thing that I do in my business coaching is that I help owners come home to themselves. That's the very first thing, because as the owner, especially of small organizations, so we have 24, 25 people in our company. So we're a small organization, but we are not so small that it's easy for me to keep control. And I use that word lightly, I'm doing air quotes, um, over how culture is, is uh, followed um, because I can't be with all my people all the time. So when you move out of about six, seven people, you need to have ambassadors of culture. 
so the first thing is it starts with you as the owner. You have to understand the culture that you want. And culture is got a couple of facets to it. One is what is the lifestyle that you want? What is the why, purpose, mission of your company? And then what is the system that you want to run your company by? So I'll give you a very simple example of something like smoking. The construction trades have a lot of smokers in them. I'm an asthmatic. I've had trouble with breathing my whole life. I have a daughter who actually went into respiratory failure as a, as a young child. And so breathing is a very important thing to me. So it's very important to me that I run a non-smoking environment company. It does not make me right, but it is very clear that that's the company that I'm running. And so when I'm recruiting, I need to make sure that that culture is all the way in the recruiting. And then it's in the onboarding, then it's in the training, and then I have ambassadors that hold it up. So all of the people in my company, whether they are smokers in their lives or not, understand that here it's a smoke-free environment. And, and you, you take these things one at a time. I mean, swearing is a cultural thing. Um, the clothes you wear is a cultural thing in the trades. The way your trucks look is a cultural thing in the trades. And so you've got to take them one by one. It is long, it is arduous. That's why I say it's a long game. But most of us in the trades and many of us who are business owners plan on doing this for a couple of decades. So it's worth starting at the beginning and beginning to build. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it is it is a process. And I, you mentioned this, uh, the, the part of onboarding and uh, actually job interviews. And uh, do you have any suggestions on how to actually find those people who will be a good fit for, for your organization? Because I think that this element is stopping many people from developing their businesses because yes. they don't want to give away certain tasks. They are afraid that, that uh, they will not find the, the right person to do this task. And this stops them. So do you think, do, do you have any process or uh, the, how, do, how do you look for people who actually fit your business? Yeah, that, that, uh, that's, uh, that's another million. Boy, you're coming up with all the million dollar questions right now, <laughs> especially in this, in this market right now that we're facing. It's so hard. Um, I actually do have a, um, a, a, a short uh, class um, called uh, uh, Stop Hunting, Start Attracting Your Right Fit Employee. So that, that could be something that's uh, great that we could maybe link to. Um, but I have, I have given several uh, classes now this, this year about, uh, about finding people. And I think that there's a, there's a huge mindset shift that needs to happen. Um, and that is that we do have to stop hunting you know, because people don't want to be hunted. They do not want to be prey. They do not want to be consumed. Um, instead, we are looking to attract. We're literally changing our mindset, but it's very hard to attract if you have no idea what your magnet is. So that means you have to go back and you have to figure out your magnet. So the same process of understanding the, the lifestyle you want and the culture you want in your company, that's the same exact work. And this is great because you don't have to do it twice that you're going to use when you start attracting your people. Now, the key 
issue that I find in the service trades in particular, so all the contractors, con construction, landscapers, painters, electricians, all of all, that whole world is that you have very, very high skilled people that tend to be the owners. You know, they, they tend to be the master craftsmen. And so it starts out that they just need laborers. They just need helpers. Um, for entrepreneurial businesses that are building offices, you know, they need administrative people. Um, so there's that, there's that level. But then there's the next level, which is I'm the owner, I'm the skilled craftsman. I need design assistance. I actually need another craftsman to work with me. The only way we know how to do this is we have to go through the process of organizational charts. We have to go through the process of imagining our business. And this is a big part of why I developed the regenerative business community. That is because oftentimes we all get into business because we're really damn good at something. And we know that if we can sail our own ship, we'll be able to do work that's more satisfying to us. And then we get successful and we realize we need help. And what happens is we need to reimagine and renew our efforts in our company. We need to restore systems within the company outside of ourselves so that we can actually grow the company. That's where hiring comes. That's, that's, that's what we're hiring for. So if you haven't done the work in advance and you're just looking for bodies, people with a pulse, then unfortunately you're going to struggle because you're going to try to figure it out with them with you. And that's really uncomfortable. So I would say step one, after you do the work of understanding the lifestyle and culture that you want in your company, step two is to imagine what your company structure looks like. Imagine a small hierarchy. Imagine the team and what you want the team to be. Even if, let's say it's just three people, give each one of those teams a position, right? So you wouldn't build a soccer team and not have people in positions. So you need to do the same thing. And the sports analogy, I'm not a strong sports person, but the sports analogy works really well. You don't just throw people on a field and say, okay, just kick the ball. You give them positions and you tell them to, to mind and monitor their positions. You need to do that when you're recruiting as well. Yes, absolutely. But I think that this mistake happens very often that we actually want people to figure it out themselves. And uh, we just want them to, Uh, to, to do something amazing, but we don't know exactly what should they do, but uh, it doesn't work like this, right? We need to right. figure out ourselves what, uh, what will be the tasks, what, what will be the work that should be done, and then search for people, right? Yes, and if I were to look at like polar opposite business styles, you know, there's, the, there's sort of the master and commander style, and then there's more of the sort of the mentor Uh, ship um, mentorship and coaching style yeah. um, and again neither were wrong they're just on a specific spe spectrum so if if your expectation is you're going to hire people and tell them what to do that's fine if that's what you want but if you want people to know what to do then again this is where the regenerative business community comes in we now are looking at co-creating to develop value, that, that that is really important, that co-creation. So I might have a seed of an idea, the seed of an, and I'll give you a good example. In my line of work, we, safety is huge. You know, I mean, people die doing construction work. So safety is very important. I met a woman who wanted to be a gardener. 
and she was just needing to do something what she thought would be simple. And uh, she answered an ad that I put out that was garden enthusiasts wanted. No experience necessary will train you. You just have to love gardening. And <clears throat> so long story short, when I read her, inter uh, her resume, I saw that she had 20 years of public safety on her resume. She had worked for the state police. She had worked for 911. She had done amazing work. And so I said, so what would you think about learning to garden? I'll teach you how to garden. Uh, but what, what would you think about teaching me about public safety? And she and I co-created a position. She's in her fifth year now. She runs safety. She runs recruiting. She runs all of the onboarding and early training. And it is amazing. There is no way in the world I could have known I needed that position unless I was able to say to this person, would you co-create something with me? And she did. And it was and she's like a godsend now because then COVID happened. She took care of everything. So this is what I mean about being open so that you can potentially co-create something that you don't even know, you would never know how to do on your own. And, and that's, a, that's a really amazing experience for an entrepreneur to, to, to go through. Yeah, the flexibility is so important. Being flexible, being open, uh, and uh, be, being open to, to other people's ideas, to co-creation is... Uh, it just creates miracles sometimes we we come up with something that we did not expect so your yes. story i think it is just perfect proof of this and uh, monique i wanted to ask you also because you have uh, such a uh, long uh, business experience and we have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs or who are just planning to start their companies so um Apart from the, this this uh, livescape method that uh, perfectly describes the, the most important things that we need to take care of, what would you suggest? What is important in uh, business? What should we um, pay attention to, especially in the beginning when we're just starting and also in the next stages? Yeah, I think one of the most important things that needs to happen when you're just starting is really to have clarity about the life, the personal life that you want. And here's the thing, the life that you want today is going to be very different than the life that like say 10 years from now. So, so again, to just give a story about me, I was, I was a late teenager when I started, I had, I lived at home. And so it was different when I lived at home and then I got an apartment. Now I had rent I had to do. And then I bought a house and then I had a mortgage and then I had a husband and then I had children. So my lifestyle, the needs of my life kept changing. And that meant that my business had to follow suit. I did not know that going into it. And so my business got very, very heavy, very fast. And on some levels took me away from things that felt like they, in hindsight, should have been more important. Um, when I started to get a handle on that, I started to make my business the servant of my life instead of me the servant of my business. And that took creating boundaries. So boundaries aren't a bad thing. I recommend that everybody um, watch Brené Brown's little six-minute video on boundaries and big. You can just search Brené Brown boundaries. And it's, it's actually really good. It's like know your boundaries so that you can stand in your integrity and make the most generous assumptions about other people. And I think that when we are just emerging as entrepreneurs, 
it's very easy to have your boundaries just fall down. You start saying yes to clients you would never want to work with. You say yes to tasks you would never want to do. You allow people to kind of walk over you because you need the money. Um, the more you can be self-aware about your level of comfort and discomfort, what's okay and what's not okay, I believe that you will build a stronger business. You will build more slowly and that is okay. Embrace the slow and steady because when, you know, when the compounded efforts stack up and you become popular and people then know you and they want you, you will have already built a much better foundation than I did. You won't crash. I, I got to a point where I was, I literally had pneumonia three springs in a row. Like it just took me out because I, I let people just suck me dry basically. Um, so I think really that's the, the most important thing. And then all of the other things like your why, your purpose, your mission. I mean, if you're planning to start a business, you've got those in there intrinsically. You'll learn to communicate them better as you get bigger. Um, most importantly is to, is to be mindful. And I'm going to ask one, add one last thing is that understanding that if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be a business owner, you must make friends with discomfort. If you try to do it, and assume that you're going to be comfortable all the time. You will get stagnant very, very fast. It is important to know that you are embracing discomfort and the unknown if you are choosing the entrepreneurial path. Wow, such a great tips. All of them are just amazing. I uh, oh, could you. not add anything to it. Thank you so much. I think that uh, our listeners really should uh, want to reach out to you and to uh, know more about uh, your regenerative business community. Uh, can you tell us how and where we can find you? Yes. So my happy place is Instagram. So uh, my Instagram handle is at Monique.Allen. And I pop on to that every weekend and I do something called Lifescape TV. So I just drop a business concept and talk about it for a little while. And um, it's all about cultivating joy along your entrepreneurial journey, because when you are in joy, you can, you can master anything. You can work through the discomfort when you can master joy. So that's my happy place. You can find me there. And um, in the link in bio is all of the easy ways to connect with me. So you will find in that link, you can find the class that I taught on stop hunting, start attracting your right fit employee. Uh, you can also link to my coaching page, which gives, you, which gives you all the information about the regenerative business community. We're actually, we just closed uh, this community and we're opening a new, now a new community in September. Um, so we're starting to take waitlist people in on that. And um, yeah, those are the, those are, and my book is there too. So if you happen to be a gardener and want to learn about uh, lifescaping, you, their book is there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Monique. It was a pleasure talking to you today. I, we learned a lot and you definitely inspired our listeners. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.